It says, The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You know, I don't believe that this miracle that Jesus did, this first miracle, I don't believe it was any coincidence that he did it at a wedding. He did it at a wedding. It's a miracle. It is a miracle when God can bring two sinners together, male and female, both sinners. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The glory of Jesus is found in His compassion, and this was a miracle full of compassion. As Pastor Rob tells us today, maybe this first miracle was purposely directed by God at a wedding, not to show how he can turn water into wine, but how Jesus miraculously can join a man and a woman to become this awesome union. With Jesus as the center of a marriage, there is nothing that can come between the couple that will destroy this beautiful institution that he has created for us to enjoy his presence and conduct his business on earth. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes this portion of John chapter 2. I love the contrast with this in the Old Testament. You know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are, the old things have passed away. All things have become new. And remember what Jesus spoke to that woman at the well. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. She was standing there at the well in Samaria, and Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water of this well will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What a difference between the old and the new. The Spirit of God is what makes the difference in dwelling us. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Notice, this is the beginning of signs or miracles. It's the beginning. It wasn't the end. But notice the result of it. His disciples, what they do? They believed in him. Even though their understanding was immature, we know that to be the case. They didn't have a great deep understanding of who Jesus was, but their faith, their devotion to him would develop. It would grow over time as Jesus would spend time with them. It's very clear that their understanding of him was growing because of passages like this one in John chapter 2. We're going to get to this later on in the next week. Where Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it took 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Notice, therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered. When he had risen from the dead, 
So all that time that Jesus was with them, they were still a little cloudy on what this was all about. But when he rose again, what does it say? His disciples remembered that he had said this to him, and they believed the scripture and the word which he had said. And in fact, after his resurrection, remember, it says Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb when it followed John, the apostle, and saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. And then John says, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. And guess what? For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the grave. Rise again from the dead. They didn't know it. And this was after the resurrection. So you know what? I feel comforted by that because I feel like I'm in good company. Do you feel like you're in good company when you don't always get something and you have to go through school again? You have to learn something again the second time? Can I let you know a little secret? I was actually held back in, in kindergarten. I went through kindergarten once. I started when I was five. And then I was so immature that they actually held me back again for another year to go through kindergarten. Because when the teacher would close her eyes, I would run out of the classroom and, and she missed, she didn't even recognize that I was gone for a while, but I, I went to a park near my house and I hung out there for the whole day. And my mom was at work, had no idea that I was in a park all by myself playing on the swing sets. Why did I bring that up? I have no idea. <laughs> Actually, I really don't. I had a plan there and it just kind of went south on me, so i Sorry. <laughs> But he, they didn't know. They didn't know. And, and I, 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 there's, there's my point. is I, I can relate to this because I don't have it all together. I have to learn things again and again and again. And don't be ashamed by that. Don't be ashamed by that. The main thing is that you learn. If you don't learn from your mistake, that's the travesty. When you don't learn. I like to learn. Do you like to learn? I really do. I like to learn. I don't like making mistakes over and over again. I like making them. I make them once and I feel embarrassed. The second time I feel like a real weirdo. And I'm like, you know what? This is it. I'm done. I don't want to make the same mistake again. It hurts. It's too painful. And Plus, my pride is hurt too, which is really the main thing. Right? But I want to share something with you today in our last 10 minutes together. It says, the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. You know, I don't believe that this miracle that Jesus did, this first miracle, I don't believe it was any coincidence that he did it at a wedding. He did it at a wedding. It's a miracle. It is a miracle when God can bring two sinners together, male and female, both sinners. The male a sinner and the female a sinner. Sorry, ladies, I know that... You, you know, you, got, you ladies are more perfect than us guys. I, I admit that. However, still, in God's eyes, you're still a sinner. A male and female. You put them together, it's a miracle. Oh my God, they didn't kill each other. Did he put the cat back on the toothpaste? Oh, I can't believe. Did he put the toilet paper roll on the outside where it goes down like that? Did he put the seat down? Did he lift the seat up? Did she put the seat up? You know, all these little things. You put two people together, a miracle, miracle. And that's why it's a miracle and that God wants to continue doing that miracle. Many marriages within the church need a miracle. They do. 
How is your marriage? Honestly, how is your marriage? Is it doing well? Could it use a little help? Could it use a lot of help? Are you on the brink of divorce? I know there are some. I know there are some. And we hide very well. We don't seek counsel. Why is that? If you're hurting today when you're your spouse, and I know some have been at each other's throat for years, and they still are together, and their kids are like, And because of the pride and because of the unwilling to, willingness to forgive, because of the unwillingness to change and the pride, it just it never, ever heals. It's like this cancer within the family and, and, the, and the husband is too proud to admit that he's wrong or the wife is too proud to admit that she's wrong. They both are too proud to admit that they're both wrong because usually that's what the case is. They are both wrong. It's not just one, it's both. Jesus needs to do a miracle in many marriages in our fellowship today. Seriously. I get the privilege of talking and praying and talking to you. And I know there's a lot of marriages that are doing really well. Some are kind of just coasting. Others are on life support. But know this. God hates divorce. And the divorce rate in the church is just as bad as the outside. We've heard that. But God hates divorce. I know this because I'm going to read it to you in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. There it is. He hates it. Because usually when people get divorced, it's because their heart has become so hardened. Their hearts have become seared. You know when James talks about a heart being seared? It means that you're beyond feeling. You got to the point where you're just like cohabitating with one another, but that's it. You got separate bank accounts. You live in separate beds. Always pointing the finger. You hardly talk to each other. There's no intimacy. Does that sound familiar? If it does, there's hope. But why won't you get in the light? Why won't you get in the light? What are you afraid of? The Lord wants to heal you. He wants to heal your marriage. As Jesus did the, the miracle at the, at the wedding, I think he did that on purpose because he valued marriage so much. And everyone who's going to read that passage is going to realize, wow, a miracle was done at a wedding. Boy, honey, we need a miracle. Maybe you do. Maybe you do need a miracle. I think all of us could use some help. My marriage is not perfect with my wife. And I got my problems, and she doesn't have very many. Actually, she doesn't have any. But are you willing to be wrong? Do you even care at all? Have you gotten to that point where you don't care anymore? Are you willing to work it out? Or do you just want to give it up because you don't think it's worth it anymore? Uh, the kids will be out of the house pretty soon, and we'll just we'll stay together for them, but after that, we'll just break it off. Is that really your attitude? You better wake up. God has a better plan for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants to bless you in that marriage. Will you humble your heart? Are you communicating, praying? Are you reading together? 
Are you taking the time to do that? Because guess what? The, the, the time is going to get away from you. Life takes over, and you have to interrupt life to make these things that are very purposeful to happen. They are not going to happen by osmosis. They're not, they have to be very purposeful. I have to be very purposeful, and so do you. I want to be more purposeful. It won't happen by just going on autopilot. Autopilot breeds divorce. Autopilot just causes things to decay. You have to work at it, folks. We have to work at it. But the the greatest work we can do is getting on our knees with our spouse, being open, communicating, talking things out, being dreadfully honest, painfully honest about everything at the right time and in the right way. And listening to each other. Mainly listening. Will you listen to your spouse? Ask them. If there's any, if there's, list some things that if you could change about me, what would they be? And to look at, and, and to be willing to take that list and go, Lord, by your grace, help me incorporate all these things in my life. Change me. Within, real, within realism, of course. I mean, if your wife says, I want you to look like, you know, Lou Ferrigno kind of hard to do that. But most women don't care about that. Are you communicating? Are you praying? Are you reading the word together? How's the intimacy going? Certainly spiritually, but physically as well. Nobody likes to talk about that, but how how are things? Are you willing to change? Don't dig in your heels. We'll end with this passage. It's a great passage. It's in Ephesians 5. You might as well turn there. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22. Again, the miracle of Cana. (laughs) The miracle at a wedding. There are many miracles that need to happen in this room today. In marriages. I need that too, folks. We're not alone. Let's not hide from one another. Find somebody that you, that you trust and can talk things out. Somebody that is maybe a, could be an elder, a pastor, or whatever. But get together with somebody who you can talk to and have them help you out. Pray. Seek the Lord first. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22, this is a passage that will really kind of set things in their right place. Notice, wives, submit you to your own husbands as to the Lord. Many wives don't want to submit to their husbands because their their husband is not a very nice guy. And so they choose not to submit to him. They don't submit to him because he's not very kind to her. And so she's like, I'm not going to submit to him. Now that's a really tall order, I understand. But did you ever consider the strength and the power of God in you to submit even when your husband doesn't deserve to be submitted to? You just do it because that's the right thing to do? Within reason, of course. If he's abusive, then get out of there. You know, but if he's just being a a bozo, <laughs> you know, and he's just uh, thick-headed and proud and self-focused, self-centered, submit to him and you continue to pray. And what does it say for the the husband? For the husband is the head of the wife and also as Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church, as we, the bride of Christ, are subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, notice, in everything. In everything. But then it gets better because then the Lord gets on the, on the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Agape them. Love them. Notice, not, don't just love them physically. It's easy for that. Anybody, anybody can do that. If you're born and you're a male, that can happen. Very without, that's autopilot. Easy. Huh. For the, then he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now that's a whole different thing. That takes a real man, guys. That takes a real man. Real men love Jesus. Real men do these things. Any boy can reproduce. Right? Any boy can do the very natural thing, and you know what I'm talking about. But to love and to be self-sacrificing, to think of your wife before you think of yourself, to love her as Christ. Think about what Christ did for us, and that's what we're to be to our wives. That's a very tall order, and that's something that, that's why we need the Spirit of God. We need Him. I need Him. I cannot do it. I can't without Him. Love your wives, guys, just as Christ loved the church, gave Himself for her, that He might present that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself, notice, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Isn't that what Christ wants to do for us? Guys, that's what we want to do for our wives. We want to bless them. Stir that pot again. Things gotten cold, stir it up again. And I can tell you one of the greatest ways to stir up the pot is to get on your knees with your wife and start praying with her. Start talking about real things. Exploit, you know, being open with your heart. More than anything, she wants to hear your heart, guys. She wants to hear what's really going on. Who are you? What are you doing? Do you really love me? We've been married for several years. Do you really still love me? Or do you want to trade me in for a thinner model? Do you really love me? Because real love goes beyond all that stuff. Real love looks beyond all that stuff. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, notice, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Are you still leaving and cleaving after 20 years of marriage? Are you still going back to your parents and asking for advice? There's nothing wrong with asking for advice, but are you leaving and cleaving? Guys, are you leaving and cleaving? Ladies, are you leaving and cleaving? Letting God do this. That's the most important relationship in your life right now is the relationship between, other than the Lord, your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your spouse is the most important. Kids second. This has got to be unified. This has to be solid. Notice Paul finishes up here and we'll end here. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. 
Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Boy, we, we really need that lesson again. We could hear this every single day and it would be applicable and pertinent to all of us. Because I don't know of anyone in the room whose marriage is perfect. And if your marriage is not perfect, that means there's room for improvement. Just like mine. My marriage is not perfect. There are a lot of things that I need to change and continue to change in. And same thing with my wife. The same thing with all of you. Are you willing? Or are you beyond feeling? Have you, have you gotten to that point where you're just so angry with your spouse that you're like, you know what, I, I, I don't want anything to do with them. Seek the Lord and don't give up. Seek the Lord and don't give up. And seek help. Find somebody. Find a group, a husband and wife that maybe is older in the Lord or even younger in the Lord, but maybe more spiritually mature than you are. Get together and talk. And hold those things in confidence and build each other up. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Building each other up in Christ. Not in the world, but in Christ. Let's do that. Let's build each other up. The Lord loves you, guys. He loves you immensely. He loves loves your marriage. He knows how you're hurting. Come into the light with him. And let him love you. Let him love you through your spouse again. Spouse, make sure that you're that conduit of love. And don't be like the Dead Sea where you're always taking in but not giving out. Give, give, give. It's a secret. Give, give out. Let's stand together. This first sign Jesus did at the wedding in Cana, the very first sign, how important is it? How important is a wedding? How important is a marriage? It's the very foundation, the very backbone of not only the church, but of our country. The most important thing, more than the government, your marriage, our marriages, more important than the government. Certainly more important, you know, the Lord looks at it and he says, it's of great price to me. And the reason he says that is because it's just like you and me, he says. The church in him. Because I want that to be just like that. So, Father, we just come before you, Lord, and Lord, these are hard things, God. And um, we ask for your help, Lord. You're the only one who can help us. You're the only one who can help us. And Lord, help us to go to you first and ask for help and for cleansing, for healing. No matter what we're involved in, no matter how bad things are, no matter, even if we're on the brink, Lord, on the edge, and ready to throw in the towel, God, would you please save? Would you please pour out your spirit again? Would you please stir the pot? And Lord, help us. We invite you to do it, God, please, in your mercy, save marriages in this body and heal marriages in this body. And Lord, prepare us for the day that you retrieve your bride unto yourself at the rapture, Lord. May we be ready and shining bright, waiting for you. Lord, how we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.